And so over the last four weeks, we've been in an Advent series looking at uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2. Uh, we've called it the Songs of Christmas uh, because these four characters that we've been looking at, Mary, Zechariah, the angels, and today Simeon, have him amazing experiences of uh, the revelation of what's happening with the birth of Jesus. And they are responding in each of these texts that we've looked at with songs of praise and prophecy and, and just declaration around what the moment is all about and what it really means. So this morning, as I said, we're looking at Simeon. Now, if you know the Christmas story or you've been to your child's nativity play at preschool, you know that um, the donkeys and the wise men and um, the angels, even the drummer boy gets a, a focus. But Simeon is an unknown character of Christmas. We don't really celebrate him. We don't really know much about him other than the fact that he's a bit of an old man, as we'll read. But he does say some amazing things about Jesus. Just to orientate us again, this morning what we're remembering and celebrating is one of the most remarkable claims in history, that God became human in Jesus. It's not just any baby, but God in the flesh in his son Jesus. So we're celebrating the Incarnation Day. We should really be saying Happy Incarnation Day, right? That's really what it's all about. God in the flesh, in His Son, Jesus. It's a remarkable claim. And I think for some of us, maybe it lives on the level of myth or nice story. But really, this biblical Christmas claim is more than just a claim. It's, it's history. And so I want to encourage us this morning, on one hand, to hold to the historical truth of the Incarnation, and yet, on the other hand, as well, to not become so familiar with the Christmas story that we lose our wonder and awe in what's actually happening in us. God has come to be with us. It's incredible. It's incredible. So this morning, as I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And just to give us some context, uh, this guy by the name of Luke, who the book is uh, named after because he wrote it, he is a historian. He's a doctor. And he is telling the stories of what's happened to all these characters. And he is, as being a good historian, he's, he's done his interviews, he's fact-checked stuff, and he is now reporting back what he has heard. Uh, and so this is the story of Simeon from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 35, and it will be on the screens above for us. From verse 21. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel even before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's our text for this morning. And so what we're seeing, of course, is that we've just read it. Joseph and Mary have come to dedicate Jesus and they meet Simeon here. He's got one of the greatest bios, I think, ever. It says he's righteous, devout, longs for God's mercy, filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, like that is an epic description. And Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus to uh, the temple in obedience to the scriptures for the purposes of both purification and dedication. Dedicating Jesus like any parent would do or many parents do, to just say, God, thank you for this gift of this child. What a blessing, and we need your help with this child. And so Simeon has been at this temple, and he's seen this happen thousands of times with thousands of parents and babies. And yet he's been waiting because the Holy Spirit has told him that one day he's going to see a baby who's unlike any other baby, a baby who is the Messiah. And so he's been waiting and trusting that this will happen. And I can just imagine him every day standing by the temple, seeing another baby, thinking, is that him? Is this the one? Or maybe that's him. And he's waiting and he's longing. And finally, the day comes and he sees Jesus and he instantly knows who he's looking at. This is not just any baby. And see his response in his sort of song. Simeon's song, he says, verse 29, Now, Master, he's come talking to God here, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised. What you've promised me has come true. I've seen him. I've seen the Messiah. And so this morning, what I want us to do is look at what he says in the rest of his song, in verses 30 to 33, uh, 30 to 33, because he is sort of prophesying and praying and speaking to Mary and Joseph all in one. And it's a beautiful, and he says, he says three incredible things about Jesus. The first thing that Simeon says is that Jesus is life. Jesus is life. After he said, you can dismiss your servant in peace, he gives a summary of what it's all about in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I just want you to enter in with me for a moment to how incredible this moment must have been. And I've got a painting up here by a guy named Ron uh, Dickiani called, this is called Simeon's Moment. 
it just beautifully captures the longing of this man for Jesus, that God has promised that he's going to see him. And just the overwhelming joy in his heart as he finally gets to hold God as a baby. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now, what's amazing is how he responds, because he recognizes immediately who he's holding. And what he says is this, my eyes have seen your salvation. Doesn't just say my eyes have seen Jesus, or my eyes have seen the Messiah, or my eyes have seen whatever other description he could have given. He summarizes Jesus in one word there by saying, my salvation. This is God's salvation. It's incredible clarity that this holy, righteous man has been given uh, this ability to see Jesus properly. He's able to recognize the spiritual weight on this baby that he's holding. It's a significant description, and his word choice is clear and specific. And he's not inventing anything new, because this has happened again and again throughout Scripture. Even just last week, John unpacked uh, the angels declaring uh, what would happen in this moment with Jesus. And in Luke 2 verse 11, they say that famous uh, Christmas time verse, Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. So it's very clear who Jesus is. Now, my wife and I have been trying to help our kids start to understand things, right? My daughter is five, my boy is three, and uh, we got number three on the way. And so we, we're trying with our five-year-old and three-year-old kind of to help them see what's going on here. So what we've been trying to do as many days in December as we can do is uh, read an Advent devotional with them. We're using a, a children's Bible called the, um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a really good resource. And we've been reading a, a, a section of the Bible in that little book with them every night. And so I wanted early on to like gauge where we're at. You know, how much do they understand? So I, so I just asked them a simple question. Right, guys, on Christmas Day, whose birthday are we celebrating? And my boy, he shouts out, Santa! So I thought, well, okay, we've got some work to do. Let's, let's press on, you know. I think now if I asked him, he'll nail it. So we're getting there. We're getting there. But of course... Christmas is about the incarnation of Jesus. It may not have happened on December 25th, right? It may have happened in September. We don't really know exactly when it happened. But we know that it happened and we know that it's good to celebrate that it happened. And so this has been come the day we do that. All around the world, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus given to us. This Emmanuel, God with us. It's incredibly good news that Jesus came. But let's let that land on us, that his name is Savior. Because friends, the fact that Jesus is called Savior tells us something. It tells us that we need saving. It tells us that there is brokenness that Jesus has come to heal and deal with. Incarnation tells us that we couldn't heal our own brokenness. And so God had to intervene 
and step in, the author stepping in, stepping into his own story to come write all the brokenness and heal all the brokenness and all the sin. He came to give us life, spiritual life. And if you trust in Jesus, that's what we're celebrating in part this morning, that this baby came for a purpose, to be our Savior. And uh, maybe this isn't something you believe. Maybe you're considering this. Maybe you're visiting family and you got dragged along here this morning against your will. We're so glad you're with us, if that's you. I just want to encourage us by having another look at Simeon, because trusting in Jesus comes with enormous blessing. This is what it did for Simeon. What does he say? He finally sees Jesus after waiting. He trusts that this is the one. And what does he say? Now I can depart in peace. In peace. Jesus gives a peace unlike anything. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe there's just a restlessness in your heart that you can't put your finger on. Maybe there's mess and brokenness in your life. And you're struggling to put the pieces back together, as it were. Maybe you are in need of peace this morning. I just want to ask us a question. Where are you looking for peace? Where are you looking for peace? Because there's one peace giver. And the good news of what we're celebrating today is that it's Jesus. This life giver has come to give peace and to give us life. And it's quite amazing if you think about Simeon holding this baby. What he's recognizing is that while he's holding this baby in an incredible way, it's actually this baby that's holding him and holding his life. Because he's the ultimate, he's God over him. He's the Savior. He's come to give life. Come to give life. Jesus is life. The second thing Simeon says is that Jesus is like you see in verse 32, he just simply says that Jesus is a light for revelation. And in some ways, this is a continuation of what he's just said about Jesus being light. But what's important here is that Jesus has come for all of us. He's come for Jew and Gentile. He's come to be the salvation for all of his people. And this imagery of calling Jesus a light tells us that Jesus has come to illuminate the darkness. He's come to illuminate the darkness. I'm talking about spiritual darkness, right? We were all in the dark, spiritually speaking. And what's happened in the gospel, by his birth and by everything he would accomplish in coming, I think is summarized very beautifully in Romans 4 verse 6. It'll be up here. It says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? He's shone in our hearts. Jesus has come to illuminate the darkness even within us. He's come to illuminate the darkness and to help us see light. That's, that's what light does, right? It helps us see so this is not a very popular view today it, 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 to, to admit that the natural state of the human heart is one of blindness and spiritual darkness. 
in a way, I would just say that if if you uh, if you're not convinced that spiritual darkness lives in the human heart, my uh, advice to you would be to have kids. Um, I love them deeply more than anything, but I'm I'm convinced every day. I'm, I'm surprised how these sweet, innocent little children are just somehow master manipulators and masters at deception. It's incredible. I'm like, where did you take lessons? This is incredible. They're so good at it. And then to add on top of that, the darkness I see in my own heart as a parent day after day, as I fail them, as I sin against them, uh, as I mess things up, right? Uh, parenting is just one of the analogies that help us see our own sin. We could talk about many different things that help us recognize the brokenness within each of us. But I would just say that some people deny this kind of thing, and it would, of course, be hard to see Jesus as necessary if you don't think you need saving. But this is exactly what it is. He's come to be a light to our darkness, to help us see our need for him. And this is the good news of Christmas, is that he's come to illuminate our darkness, even within us, and even to forgive it all. If you felt, friends, this darkness in you or around you, these verses are really good news. Jesus, our light. This finally, third thing, Jesus comes to bring liberty in a world of suffering. Just again, verses 33 to 35, Simeon is now speaking to Joseph and Mary. And he says, it just says this, his father and, and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It's quite a hectic thing for Simeon to say, right? Just keep in mind, this is a baby dedication. Like, I've done my own fair share of baby dedications. I don't think I've ever said, like, right, this is James. He's going to cause the fall and rise. Like, it's a hectic thing to say. But Simeon is preaching truth here because what he's saying is that Jesus will be sort of divisive. Like, some people are going to love him and others are going to hate him. Some are going to believe that he really is the Savior of the world and put their trust in him. And many will not. And for his followers, his followers are going to experience opposition and suffering. And even you, Mary, as he speaks to Mary, she will experience incredible sorrow in her heart because of what will happen to Jesus. This text just talks about the fall and rise. It's, it's not talking about two different groups of people. It's more likely talking about the same kind of group of people, that there's a fall before there's a rise. So in a way, what it's saying is for followers of Jesus, suffering precedes glory. We know that in the gospel, Jesus is, is gonna, there's going to be glory. He's going to turn everything right. But what it's saying is for a time, there will be suffering. There will be darkness. There will be hardship. Right? Happy Christmas. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make light of this. And I know that today is supposed to maybe be a happy and fun sermon. But here's what I love about what Simeon is saying. Because he's offering real hope. 
He's not pulling uh, the wool over our eyes. He's not just telling us the good stuff and pretending that if you follow Jesus, life is going to be simple and easy and nice. He's giving us hope for when it's hard. And what he's telling us is that on the hardest days, Jesus has come to give life. He's come to help. He's offering real gospel hope. I want to flesh this out a bit more and just kind of remind us that in the Bible, um, whenever it talks about often, when it talks about Jesus' birth, in those same verses, in those same passages of Scripture, it also sometimes looks forward about what would happen in his death and resurrection. And what it's telling us is this guy has come for a purpose. The birth of Jesus is not random. He's come on a mission. And that mission is to save. And the good news for us in this, in this way this morning is that this birth of Jesus is, is linked to everything his life would accomplish and his death would accomplish in undoing the brokenness within us and around us. He came to heal and save. Again, if you're suffering this morning, if life is hard, if things have been broken, if you've experienced that, Jesus offers a hope unlike anything else. And it tells us that joy and suffering really can coexist because our joy isn't tethered to our circumstances or situation. It's tethered to a guy who is our savior and his name is Jesus. Some of us, I know, this day is the best day of the year. And I know for many of us, this is one of the hardest days of the year. It's hard to celebrate Christmas. Maybe you feel lonely or, or you're missing a, a loved one that was with you. What I want to encourage us with here again is that the good news of Christmas is that Jesus can provide liberty. That even in the midst of this suffering, of this fall, we have gospel promises that give us a lightness and a freedom even in the midst of the hard stuff. And there has been hard stuff. Let's own that, friends. Some of us have lost loved ones this year and we're celebrating Christmas without them. And that's painful. Some of us have had health scares or cancer. Some of us have grieved miscarriages. We struggled financially. Some of our marriages have taken strain. So whatever it is, you may have just experienced something painful this year that has left you feeling wounded. Christmas tells us that Jesus has come to heal and save and bind up the broken. And it's good news for us today to remember that Jesus is with us in it all. And there's freedom and there's joy in this one that gives life and is light and provides liberty, especially in the hardest times. So here's where I want us to end before we sing and eat mince pies and then later gammon to the glory of God. There's a pastor who I love. His name is Rich Velodis, a pastor in the States in New York City. And he talks about finding hope in God. And he says that it's helpful to declare four truths over our hearts. If you're a Christian, I want to encourage us to do that now. And maybe if you're not, I want you to really consider these four things. The first step, he says, is to say, I don't know. To just admit and feel the freedom of admitting that you don't always have the answers for your confusion and in your brokenness. 
that we can't control how things turn out, that we're not so. I don't know. Secondly, to say, I need help. We're not as powerful as we would like to appear. And as we look to God, we need him to intervene in our lives and to provide our help we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot give for ourselves. I don't know. I need help. Thirdly, I am loved by Jesus. Deeply, deeply loved by Jesus. And fourthly, that Christ is enough. He's sufficient. Even if I don't have answers, even if I'm still feeling the brokenness, Christ is enough. I don't know. I need help. I am loved. Christ is enough. Friends, there is so much hope in living this way. There's so much joy and freedom in knowing what Jesus has come to do and that he is fully sufficient. Let's rejoice in him this morning. Let's thank him. Let's rest in him. Let's remember what his birth accomplished for us and what he would come to do in his living, in his dying. Let's pray together and then we'll sing. Father, we're so thankful again this morning that we get to celebrate Jesus, the gift of Jesus given to us, God with us, the incarnation of our God. Come to be with us, come to live the life we couldn't live and ultimately to die, to be our salvation, to illuminate our darkness, to bring freedom and even to give us great joy. Lord, it, it is such a joy to know that you are with us every season of our lives, even in the midst of brokenness and celebration, in the midst of deep joy and great um, grief, that you are with us through it all. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful for how the gospel changes all uh, of our brokenness. And we put our faith and hope in you again today. It's a, it's a true joy to celebrate that you have come to be our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate you again this morning.